1: So I want to
0: talk this weekend about the importance of getting grounded in your own life. How can you get grounded so that you can have the right kind of system internally that is a filter for the kind of people that you're attracting in your life. So I hope you'll take notes. Make sure you go to our church app. That's my COR. You can get all the notes there as we're going through today's message. I'm going to turn our attention today as we get started to a a character in the Old Testament who was a man that really attracted the right kind of friends in his life. And this man's name was, Daniel. Let me give you a little history on Daniel. Daniel uh, was a young man who lived in Jerusalem. As far as we know he was certainly from Judea from the southern kingdom of Israel. And there came a time when Nebuchadnezzar actually uh, who was the king of Babylon came in and actually destroyed Jerusalem and started taking off people into exile from Judea. Daniel was one of the first guys that's taken off by the king Nebuchadnezzar and taken to Babylon. He's ripped from his home in Jerusalem by this king, by this heathen king. He's carted off into exile. He's taken away from his family. He's taken away from his uh, familiar environment that he's lived in all of his life. And he's placed immediately in the service of a ruthless and heathen king. So think about that for a moment. Here's this Daniel, young man uh, he goes into exile, into a foreign nation, and there he is with, surrounded by all kinds of people that do not share the faith that he has in Jehovah God. Let me start by taking you to Daniel chapter 1. We'll look at verses 3 and 5. Let's take a look at the story of Daniel, at least some aspects of that story. I want you to see what this young man was like. Verse 3 says, Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, chief of his court officials, to bring into the king's service some of the Israelites from the royal family and the nobility. This would have been Daniel. Daniel would have been one of these individuals. Verse 5 says the king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. They would be trained for three years. After that they they were to enter the king's service. So here's Daniel, he's been brought into the service of this Babylonian king, he's Jewish himself, and he's been brought into the service of this Babylonian king, and he has to now navigate this environment, he has to determine what he's going to do, and how he's going to handle this situation, what kind of person is Daniel going to be, because the kind of person he is will determine the kind of people that are attracted to him. Now, part of what you see in Daniel very early on as a young man, you see that Daniel had some filters in his life. And one of the filters that Daniel had that resulted in him having the right friends in his life was that Daniel was extremely grounded in his relationship with God. Take a look at this. Now he's in this environment. He's being placed in this heathen environment. Notice what happens here in verse number 8 of Daniel chapter 1. But Daniel, notice this statement, Daniel resolved not to, here's the key word, defile himself with the royal food and wine. And he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself this way. So part of what we see in Daniel here is we see that Daniel made the choice of saying, I don't want to be like the environment that I'm in. I'm choosing to be different. Because the first thing that they wanted to do with Daniel is they wanted to acclimate him to the Babylonian culture. And that started with the diet. That started with the foods that the Babylonians ate. And the Babylonians ate very differently, obviously, than the Jewish nation did. And so uh, Daniel had this relationship with God, and part of his commitment to God involved what he would eat and what he would not eat. So he's being challenged in this. Notice how he responds. He says, please test your servants for 10 days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then compare our appearance with that of the young men who eat the royal food and treat your servants in accordance with what you see. And so Daniel said, I'm asking you to do something for me. I have a stand. I have some convictions. There's a filter in me about my relationship with God, who I am. And so I'm asking you to test me and let me eat the way that I would normally eat. And and here's the test. Let's take a look after 10 days and see what I look like. How I'm responding to things compared to those around me. And let's find out what happens after this 10 days of testing. Notice the next thing. It says, at the end of the 10 days, they looked healthier. That is Daniel, and he had three other friends with him we'll talk about in a moment. At the end of the 10 days, they looked healthier and better nourished than any of the young men who ate the royal food. He goes on to say here, in every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters in his whole kingdom. So what you see here in the story is you see that Daniel was grounded in his faith. And because he was grounded in his faith, he was now going to navigate his environment very differently, and his friendships would be very different. In fact, Daniel ends up with three very close friends in the story. You perhaps have heard their names before. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And so Daniel has attracted men just like him, young men like him. Why? Because he's grounded in his faith. And so it's like a magnet. Who you are as a person is going to attract certain people to you. How grounded you are or how ungrounded you are is going to determine who will be a part of your life. So the best filter for having the right relationships in your life is to get Grounded. That's a key word. Let me write it down here. Get grounded. You've got to have some grounding in your life. What does grounding mean? Grounding means that you're established. You know some things about yourself. You know what you're willing to do and not do. You know some things about how you're going to approach your life that people can't shake you. Someone that's grounded has a stability, a firmness to the convictions of their life. So what I want to do for the next few moments as we start this series of messages out is I want to talk to you about how do you get grounded. Because this is essential. It was essential for Daniel. It's essential for you. You will never have the right people in your life unless you make the choice to have the right grounding in your life. So let me walk you through five things that will help you to get grounded as a person so that you can have the right people in your life. Number one, you need to be clear about your values. That's one thing that we see about Daniel. Daniel was very clear about what he valued. Sadly, and I've had lots of conversations with people over the years and talked to them about Values And it's very sad how many people never stop to think about what their values are, what they really do value. They've never really developed a value system for their lives. And because of that, they sort of get blown about by whatever the influences are around them, whatever the peer pressure might be or whatever is happening at the office. They get pulled into that or whatever is happening at school. They get pulled into that because they don't have a value system that they've developed and thought about themselves. I mentioned Daniel had values. He was determined and directed in his decisions by his value system. He knew what he would do and what he would not do because he valued certain things. That when the Babylonian king tried to get him to eat food that had been sacrificed to idols and food that went against his training, his religious commitments, his faith commitments, what happened was Daniel said, this is not the value system of my life. I'm not going to submit myself to that. So a value is what you value. It's what's important to you at the core of your being uh, that you will never compromise. It's who you really are. Now, as we think about value systems in life, I want to kind of share with you some of the things that need to be value systems for your life. First of all, you need to have spiritual values. What do you really believe about God? Where are you in your relationship with God? What do you believe about how you have a relationship with God? What do you believe about the Bible? What do you believe about Jesus? As we've just come off a series of messages talking about what we believe about Christ. What do you believe about uh, these kinds of spiritual issues of life? Do you have a spiritual value system that is directing you? The second area of values that you need to develop are moral values. Now, moral value is, is really based in your spiritual values, but it tells you in your heart and mind what is right and what is wrong. You know clearly this is right and this is wrong. And I want to do what is right. I want to stay away from what is wrong. And even when you do something that is wrong, your morals, your, your conscience reminds you of the fact that you've actually violated or compromised something that you know to be important for your life. And so you and I need a solid set of spiritual values, need a solid set of moral values. And then as you go through life, you also need to develop a solid set of ethical values. Let me tell you what an ethical value is. Ethics have been defined as, as what you have a right to do versus what is right to do. Sometimes you can have a right to do something, but it's not right to do it. And so really ethical values are how will I in an ethical way navigate the world as I may have rights to do certain things, but just because... I have a right to do it, doesn't make it right. And so you begin to think about other people in your world. How is this going to impact them? How will my choices affect others? It may be okay for me, but what's going to happen to the other people around me? And so ethical values are important. You also need relational values. What do you value in a relationship? See, a lot of people will go into a relationship, they'll go into a dating relationship, or go into even a marriage relationship sometimes, or a friendship, without really thinking about what's really, what do I value in a relationship? And maybe this person doesn't even value what I value. And so because of that, there's a tremendous amount of conflict that occurs. So what do I value spiritually? What do I value morally? What are my moral guidelines? What are my ethical guidelines I'm going to live within? And what are my relationship guidelines and values? And then I would just call the last one here what I would just I've sort of put it under the category of just life values my life values, I'm talking about things like work, work ethic. What do I believe about work? Do I believe it's important to work? Am I a hard worker? Uh, what do I believe about leisure? How should I spend my leisure time? What do I believe about money and what do I believe about possessions and material things? And all these are just life issues that really surface, but they have a lot to do with the kind of friendships you form. And the more grounded you are in your spiritual values, your moral values, your ethical values, your relationship values, values and your life values, then the, uh, the less chance there is that you're going to be pulled and tossed about in life and end up with the wrong kind of people around you. You will never attract the right friends, nor will you be a good friend without a clear set of values. What are your values? Have you, have you ever taken time to sit down and write them down? I've done these kind of exercises in my own life. What do I value in these areas? And when you take time to write them down, it provides a tremendous uh, guide post for your life. The second thing today, we're looking at five of these things. The second thing is be certain about your direction. Know your values and then be certain about your direction. If if I'm in a car and I'm headed and you're in the car with me and I'm headed to New York and you're headed to Atlanta then we shouldn't be in the same car. Would you agree with me? Because I'm going north, you're wanting to go south, and so because of that, the direction of our lives... I'm wanting to go one way and you're wanting to go another. That's going to create a problem. When two people get into the same car, although they're going to different places, what happens is there's pain, there's conflict, there's contention. That's just inevitable. And that's what happens with so many friendships and relationships and marriages. People jump in the same car together. They never talk about where they want to go in life. And so one's going this way and the other's going another way. And so they're going in opposite directions of life. It really does a apply to all of our relationships. Listen to what the prophet Amos said about this. In Amos chapter 3, verse number 3, can two walk, what's this next word? Together. Can two walk together unless they are, what's this word here? Agreed you got to know where you're going. You can't walk together. There are a lot of people, for example, that end up in marriages where they haven't talked about their value system or the direction of their life. And so because of that, one's wanting to follow God. The other has no interest in God. And so they're not agreed. And so they have conflict all of the time. And I will tell you this. If you don't know where you're going with your life, let me encourage you, slow down until you figure out where you're going. Don't start trying to accumulate all these amazing relationships in your life until you kind of know where you're going with your life. Here's the good news, great news for us. If you don't know where you need to go in your life, and by that I'm talking about things like your calling. What is my calling in life? What am I called to do? What does God want me to do with my life? Because I don't want to connect up with someone, especially in a marriage or a very close friendship, that's not going to reinforce my calling or me reinforce the calling of the other person. It goes both ways. Or your career. What is your career going to be? You don't want to be in a situation where there's conflicting careers that you know that one's going one direction and another is going the other direction. If you're not sure about your calling and you're not sure about your career, just slow down. Don't start getting passengers in your car if you don't know where your car is going. And here's the good news as I was mentioning it a moment ago. If you don't know, here's what God says to you in James chapter 1 verse 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, notice that. If you don't know where you're going, if you lack wisdom, you should what should you do? Just make decisions anyway? No, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. And so sometimes in life, maybe this is where you are right now, you just need to slow down a little bit before trying to get these relationships at work in your life. You need to stop. So Where, where am I going? What is my calling? What is my career what is the path God is calling to me to in the future what are the commitments where am I going and only when you know where you're going are you able to invite people into the car with you and you can have a conversation about are we going in the same direction or not you don't want to start picking up hitchhikers along the way and then they try to influence you to turn your car around and go in another direction that you shouldn't be going in the first place so be clear about your direction. Let's go now to the third thing that is so important. Your values, your direction, and then be secure in your identity. This is extremely important. Secure in your identity. One of the things I love about Daniel is he was really secure in his identity. He knew who he was. And so because he knew who he was, he, didn't, he wasn't concerned about the peer pressure. Think about it when he went to Babylon. Here's this Jewish young man going into Babylon. There are a lot of other young men in Babylon. And they're all doing what the king is saying to do. But Daniel and his three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were willing to say, you know what? We're not going to go that route. We're not going to do that. Why? Because they were secure, yes, in their relationship with God, but they are also secure in their identity with him. Here's the problem. Insecure people create insecure, dysfunctional relationships. Let me say that again. If you're insecure, let me tell you what's going to happen. I can predict it for you. If you're really, really insecure, what what will eventually happen in your relationships is you'll create insecure, dysfunctional relationships. Best relationships are secure relationships. Secure people build secure relationships. And some of the biggest mistakes that we ever make in life, we make because of insecurity or a lack or a loss of our identity. We don't really know who we are. And this is where our faith in Christ becomes so important. When you know who you are in Jesus Christ, when you know who you are in God, how God views you and what God's perspective of you is, how much he loves you and how secure you are in his love and how much you are comfortable in your own skin with who God has made you to be. Not that you don't need to grow. We all do. And we all need to continue to develop in our lives. But there's a security about who we are and our relationship with Him, and who God has made us to be. Then we're better equipped to filter friendships out of our... See, some people it's just better not to have as a friend in your life. Because again, what happens is they're going to bring their insecurity to attracted to your insecurity and real problems will occur. Here's the thing. You don't need anybody else to validate you. It's great to have people validate you, but by validate, I mean make you feel good about you. When you have a real relationship with God and a strong relationship with him then you have the opportunity and the, the 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 privilege of letting God love you and validate you as worth something. And so because of that, you're not going to need to have all kind of other people validate you. A lot of times people get into bad relationships simply because they, they get some validation from somebody and it doesn't matter whether that person is healthy or not, they're just feeling the validation and their insecurity is feeding off of that. I'll tell you something else, whenever you are more secure in your life, you're not going to to be attracted to someone who's always needing your validation, because that can be a problem as well. Yes, when you're secure, you can validate people, and you and I should validate people, but it's not out of a demand, it's just out of a good, healthy flow of relationship interaction. Let me give you some characteristics. I was thinking about this in terms of our security, our identity. And I was thinking about some characteristics of some people, of people who are insecure. And maybe this will be something you might want to write down or think about. These are not on your notes, but but it'll help you to kind of look at your own life and look at other people and say, Well, I'm not sure that's the kind of person I need as a friend. Now, maybe say something as well. We need to love everybody. Love everybody. We need to love everybody and, and treat everybody kindly and nicely and all those things. But be choosy about your friends. Big difference. Big difference between loving everybody and being choosy about about those that are in your life. But here's an insecure person. An insecure person, as I've just mentioned, they're overly needy. They're just always needing your validation, always needing you to tell them that they're okay and Generally, a needy per- or an insecure person is, is very, can be very defensive in the way that they're, they deal with life. Sometimes very jealous in the way that they deal with relationships in life. And they create unrealistic expectations of you. They want you to meet needs that you can never meet in their life. Why? Because they have this big hole inside of them and they're wanting somebody to fill them up. And they're expecting you to be the person to do that. Oftentimes insecure people can be very controlling. Why? Because out of their insecurity they want to control as much as they can to minimize that feeling of out of control in their life. They struggle to see, they struggle to admit their own failures. That's a part of their defensiveness. They have a hard time acknowledging when they mess up because it makes them feel worse about themselves. Instead of just seeing it as a part of life, it begins to be a, 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 commit, a, a, a comment on their own, uh, their own uh, security as a person. I've noticed as well that insecure people have a need to put other people down. Why? Because if I could put you down, I feel better about me. And so if I don't feel good about me, I need to put you down so that I can feel better about me. And out of all this, I will tell you that if you're around a person that is always generating tension and contention and strife and all kind of just arguing and uh, those kinds of things, oftentimes, not always, but oftentimes at the root of it is a problem with someone's identity, with their sense of security. Now, everybody battles with insecurity at some point in time. I'm not saying that you and I will ever get over uh, uh, this whole issue. I'm not saying that we'll ever be perfect in it. We're human. But the more secure you are in your identity, the more secure... You are in who God made you to be and the fact that God loves you and you know who you are in Christ and you're growing in that awareness. You're you're comfortable in his love. The more secure you are in your identity, the better your relationships, the better your friendships will be. Notice what uh, Jesus said in in Mark chapter 12. Someone asked Jesus one day, what's the most important commandment of all the commandments? Listen to what Jesus said. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. That's like A number one. Yes, we get that. I'm going to come back to that in just a moment. Love the Lord. Love the Lord. Say it with me. Love the Lord. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. Key word there, all. All your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. Notice how many times all is used there. Now, obviously, that's, that's key. That's where it all begins. As I said we're going to come back to that in just a moment. But he continues here with this next one. The second is this. He was asked the question, what is the most important commandment of all? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor. But notice this statement that we have a tendency to slip past sometimes. Love your neighbor as what? As yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. It's interesting that God said love your neighbor as yourself. Why would he say that? Because if you don't properly love yourself, you can't love your neighbor well. If you're not secure in you, you're not going to have, you're going to always be looking for someone to give you something. It's only when you're secure in you that you have something to give to somebody else. And so if you don't love you, and I'm not, mean, I'm not saying be in love with you. There's a lot of people that are in love. I mean, they can't walk by a mirror without stopping and, and, and just uh, telling themselves how great they are. That's not what I'm talking about, okay? What I'm talking about here is the kind of love that breeds up and produces a tremendous security inside of you. Love your neighbor as yourself. There's no commandment greater than these. So what you and I need in our life is that we need to be absolutely secure.
1: Perhaps as you have been listening to today's broadcast, you felt a stirring in your heart, something that reminded you that you need to get something right in your life with God. The first way to start in that journey with God is to open your heart to Jesus Christ, to make Him the Lord of your life. Let me encourage you, you need to take the next step. The next step is to make sure that you get into a good Bible-believing church where you're studying God's Word. And make sure you get a copy of God's Word and begin to read it. Spend some time each day in prayer. You've been listening to the Teaching Ministry of Practical Living with Dale O'Shield, Senior Pastor of Church of the Redeemer in Maryland. If you would like more information, please visit our website at church-redeemer.org. May God bless you and make you a blessing.